From Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, transcribed with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Swift flood of nighttime into the neon alley. And Broadway bites its lip, makes the plunge, leaps into cross currents of night. And the gutters flow with a scarlet liquid of light and specklings of gold has fallen from the fountains of spectaculars. The fast walk, then, is what is called for. The rush to buy the first dream in the movie palace, to be up front and close when the hawker simper, to be first in line in the basement dance pavilion. And there's time to make a choice where the dance will be close. And warmth will glisten on a girl's mouth. Where warmth is and swift flood of night. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And from somewhere out in surge of darkness, the phone called to headquarters and taken by Detective Mugovan. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I understood. Now listen to me a minute. Now just listen, will you? I want you to talk to Lieutenant Clover. Yeah, he's the man you want. He handles things like this. You'll hold on, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he's right here. Danny? What? The man on the phone says he knows where there's a dead woman. He's screaming with it. You take it, huh? I'll try to trace it. Yeah. Hello? Hello? I told the other man. Why did well, he... Well, just tell me, too, huh? This is Lieutenant Clover. He's I... dead. Do you understand that? He's hurt. He's dead. Who is? You go there. You go where I tell you. You please. All right. Give me the address. Hello? Hello? Yeah, Marley Apartments, West 39th, 5th. 5th floor, apartment 5C, you got that? Yeah, who is this? Don't you care who this is. You just go where I told you. You see, I'm not lying. Oh, we'll check. Just tell me who you are. We'll need to... He's dead. Killed since he was dead. That's all you need. Someone I love. Someone, someone I love. You trace it, Mungerman? Yeah, yeah, I just did, Danny. Pay station, subway platform, 34th Street. Eight million people ride the subway, Danny. Most of them with diamonds. Yeah, come on. Take a look around. You do. Okay, mister, come on in. Close the door, Mugovan. Who are you, mister? Who? She's dead, isn't she? Of course she is. Your doctor? That bag? Get out of the way. There's a ritual. A thing of stethoscope. To search for heartbeat. Also, ritual of the pulse, professional manner of looking vague and wise while holding the wrist. 
this, too, shaking the head briefly, small sigh, and the pronouncement, dead. You look real professional, Doc. Now, which doctor? The one who's her father. Sorry. A little reversal now, gentlemen, by reason of my status. My daughter's dead at our feet, therefore it gives me the right to ask you who you are and what police. I'm Lieutenant Clover. This is Detective Muggerman. I'm Dr. Nolan. John Nolan. This girl, this, this once thought of mine. Now this take it easy. Girl. Muggerman. Yeah. Hello? What? Danny, the same guy who phoned <coughs> What? Hey, murderer! Hey, give me the phone, Doc. Hey, give me the phone. Hello, murderer. Yes. Yes, yes, she's dead. Caution me. Here, I want to talk to you. Hello? Hello, who is this? Hello? Hello? He hung up. Okay, Doc, did you recognize the voice? My daughter's murderer. Yes? His name? That's right. Just a favor I ask you, that's all. What about the man's name? In a bargain. First, you let me make a phone call. First, you let me make a phone call. All right. John Nolan, Emery. Listen, I want you to know Janice is dead. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. It was good of you. Hey, listen, Doc. Why don't you just sit down and let's have a chat? Would you mind if we went out in the hall, out the kitchen? Out in the hall will be okay. Like when call the ambulance technical. Yeah, yeah. The man I just spoke to... The one you called? Yes. His name is Emery Fulsom. You'd ask me about all this, so I thought... Go on. His name is Emery Fulsom, an old friend, a dear friend. And the man who called? My son-in-law. I see. My son-in-law, husband to my daughter, a killer... You're sure he killed your daughter? Find him. He'll tell you exactly that he did. All right. What does he look like? He's... Wait. Uh, I want to get it down. All right. Name... Lou Bennett. Address? Why, right here. Why, exactly here where he killed my daughter. 28 years of age, very close to 5 feet, 10 inches tall, brown hair, gray eyes. Distinguishing marks, none that I know. Apparel? Apparel. A young man who affects tweeds. Tweeds and a pipe. Please find him. Listen, you've got to find What him. about Emery Folsom? Oh, surely that's... What about him? The one to whom you run when there is trouble, when there is death. And he knew your daughter well? Yes. I want to talk to him. You'll find him at the Smallwood. But listen, Lou Bennett, get him. Yeah. Logwin? Amateur will be here Call in a in. All points bulletin. Right. Lou Bennett, huh? That's... Uh-huh. It's her husband. Close to river, reflecting light flung off barge, off freighter, the gleaming marble facade of the Smallwood apartment. The place of Emery Folsom gleams also with fall of soft light. On deep hue of oil painting, which is a life-size portrait of the man who has opened the door to you and permitted you... A glimpse, dear fellow, a glimpse of warmth, 
And then you too must go. And permitted you this a phrase of music, an immortal phrase, which you may take with you when you go, and with which you may while away a lonely hour. Maybe you didn't hear, Mr. Folsom. I'm from the police. Teasing will get you but nowhere. And I've just come from a place where a woman is dead. The place where Janice is dead? Janice Bennett, yes. The place from which a father phoned me that a daughter was dead? Yes. And you were there while he so gave me the tidings? Yes. And you forced the bereaved father to tell you to whom he had turned for solace in his desolate night? That's right. Now may I come in? But you must. You definitely must. Sit there. Sit there on that chaise where once a maiden of Louis XVI's court dangled a foot and had it washed and kissed. Sit there. All right. And thus the light falls on your face. Interestingly. Most interestingly. There's a chair at police headquarters, Mr. Folsom, where a maiden once sat and dangled a toe. Maybe you'd like... <laughs> precious, most precious. You want to know, of course, why John Nolan phoned me of his daughter's death. Me, of all the souls in the world. Yeah, I do. Now, this will regale you. John and I were children together. He was the son of my father's gardener. I, the son of my father, who was monstrous, rich, had mansions in all the watering places. We played in my father's garden. Johnny boy and I. And we grew to manhood, as you have noted. And my father subsidized Johnny through medical school. And I, in turn, have carried on my father's tradition. Oh? I, too, subsidize. I... Then your friendship with John Nolan and his daughter... You interrupted. Sorry. I, too, subsidized things. Among which was the marriage of Janice to a penniless boy. Lou Bennett. Lou Bennett. Penniless boy, callow, and a bumpkin, but not without charm. And I said to Janice, you want this, you shall have it. And I paid the tab for a brilliant wedding. And I said to Janice, I said, I'll ask what I said to the lovely daughter of my doctor friend. All right, what? I said, Janice, no need to tell your youth that you're a child of lowly income. No need to tell your youth. I have paid for your wedding. My youth is blunt. The youth is uncivilized. And the youth you wed, Janice, may take umbrage at my gift. Tell him your father paid. It's what I said to lovely Janice, who was not then a trifle dead. By whose hand dead, may I ask? Her husband called us, told us she was dead. We're looking for him. Her father says... That Lou murdered Janice. But then a father must know. And you, what do you think? That youth is blunt... That youth is uncivilized, and that killing is in the hands of youth. And leave the elegant man. Leave him. And out into the world now, where the perfumes are not of sandalwood, nor the areas cubicled by damask drape, nor drenched with music. Into the world, and the corner of it rented to make room for stove, sink, and bed. To sleep away seven hours. Until the mechanism says, stop sleeping. Make the adjustment to it. Get up. Coffee. And the world again. Headquarters. And the mechanism again. Large. More expensive. But cousin to your very own alarm clock. Clock on the wall at police headquarters. Its fingers move just as the poet said they would. And cause this to happen. No report yet on the whereabouts of Lou Bennett, Danny. And move. And cause this to happen. Nothing's turned up on that all-points bulletin yet, Danny. Lou Bennett. Cause this to happen. 
Danny Clover speaking. I'm calling from the Thomas Hotel on 3rd Avenue, mister. Who is this? Myron Gettaway. I'm the manager here. Man hung himself in one of my rooms. You better come on down. There he is. I didn't cut him down on the con I didn't want to touch. Yeah, I know how you boys like to do all the touching. Listen, mister, I've been running flea bags since... Uh, look, there's his wallet on the table. Untouched, too, mister. How come they pick flea bags to do things like... He signed the register Lou Bennett. Is that what his name is in his wallet, Lou Bennett? Yeah, I can see from here. That's what it says. Lou Bennett. Listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Beginning next Friday at this time, CBS Radio brings you the exciting assignments of Big City Police in the 21st Precinct. Formerly Tuesday evenings, the 21st Precinct dramatizes day to day, hour to hour activities of men who constantly court danger and death in the line of duty. Remember, starting at this time next Friday, the 21st Precinct, on most of these same stations. The light that curtains Broadway in late November is a thing of gauze, gray stuff that touches autumn to December. It's the time when the shadows come in with the sun, the time of the free coffee breakfast, of the sweater and vest under the coat. And the chill moon hangs around the late morning, then scuds away with a cloud. And in the shop windows, the plucked bird hangs high over stalks of corn and pumpkin pie and plaster pilgrims. And next window, girl in tweeds and lad in monogrammed cashmere walk hand in hand down life's highway. Small heartbreak time, autumn's dying, a year's drifting away. Where I was, hotel on 3rd Avenue, a place of drift and a thousand small dimes. The price being a dollar and a half a night, which included Mr. Ganaway. Hey, you boys clean up pretty fast, don't you? Come in, size up the situation, call your buddies, one of whom happens to carry a knife for cutting down purposes. While I hand it to you, Clover, this room's not looking All so right, good. Mr. Ganaway, how come? A fellow's got a problem, a fellow's got a belt, so he uses the belt to solve the problem, hung himself. Hey, you're quite an authority on things like this, aren't you, Mr. Ganaway? I had a piece done on me for the newspapers, Clover, six years ago. Listen, you run a hotel, life in the raw, flows We'll in get and back out. to Lou Bennett, huh? You want me to say a thing I already said again? About the belt and the problem again? Anything unusual? You've you got to be more specific than that, Clover. Hey, let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. I've been questioned by cops before, Clover. Never nibble at general questions. Wait them out. Bennett have any visitors? Miss Toby Douglas, who resides at 1212 Central Park West, apartment F7. This lady called at 7.20 p.m. You see, all you got to do is ask me specific. How do you know all this, Mr. Kennaway? Show you. Miss Douglas' card. Mm -hmm. She rang the desk bell, and when I came out of my room, she handed it to me. See? Got the time written on it and everything. Message. Dear boy, when you get sober and need me, call me again. Toby. Ain't going to turn it over. A name? Address. First time I was ever handed a card. Got another question? Did you see Miss Douglas come up to his room? No. no she came down. She rang me on the desk bell. Could have gone out, I wouldn't have noticed either, except she rung me out of my room. 
Well? Then you don't know what time she got here. No, I don't. It was after the phone calls. He changed the dollar into dimes for me and used the pay for in the lobby for phone calls. You've been a great help, Mr. Galloway. Yeah? That makes me feel fine. Just all right. I helped. Good. Good. Of course, it's my card, Mr. Colburn. Of course, I left it there with that man for Lou. How come you visited him there, Miss Douglas? A moment. City looks dismal tonight, doesn't it? Let's drop the blind on it. I hate dismal, Mr. Culver. Let's just get on with it, huh? Why I visited Lou? Yeah. I was his friend and his wife's friend, her best friend. You know what that means between women? Friend, we tell each other everything. Go on. Last night, her husband phoned me, said he was at some rat trap of a hotel. I couldn't understand half of what he was talking about. Drunk? I guess. When I got there, he was looped, really gone. He phoned you and told you where he was? Is that right? And he needed help. I went to him. What he needed was sobering. He was pretty bad. He said he'd killed Janice. He told you that? He said he'd had an argument with her. He said she had lied to him. She'd lied and lied and lied, he said. And he pushed her, and she fell, and she died. Well, I guess that's it. He murdered his wife, and then he killed himself. Mostly that's all he kept saying, Mr. Clover. She lied to him, and he killed her. Only... Only what? He didn't really kill her. You know that, don't you? No, no, I don't. Janice had a bad heart. Very bad. What are you... Lou didn't know it. She never told her husband about her heart, Mr. Clover. And? And I did. Last night, I told Lou that Janice's death was an accident. She got excited and her heart, well... Tell me something about Lou, Miss Douglas. What do you mean, about Lou? The kind of man he was. A charmer. Spent his father-in-law's money in a charming manner. Made his wife laugh in a charming manner. That makes a charmer, doesn't it? That was Lou, all right, all right. That was Lou. Let's try another look at the city, Mr. Clover. Still stinks. Yes, you know. You got something for me? Yeah. Report from Detective Mugovan. In a routine check on background of the deceased Lou Bennett, he found Mr. Bennett well-liked in his circle of friends. Mm -hmm. Also, when asked about Mr. Bennett's type work, his circle of friends smiled from the sides of their mouth. Oh? Lou Bennett, they said, was not the chap to hold on long to a job. A flitterer, they said. His mood would change, he would flip. And big spaces of unemployment in between. Uh, anything else? From Dr. Sinsky, medical report on the deceased Lou Bennett, which states that his body was unmarked, no signs of violence, that his hanging could hold a suicide. Probably got despondent in his drunkenness and... That's all, do you know? No. Well... From Dr. Sinsky, report also on the deceased Mrs. Bennett, which states that the bruises found about her face and arms were not alone sufficient to cause her death. Oh, fine, thank you, Gino. For a while, considerate. Husband who had been called murderer by a woman's father who had been precise and professional in the examination of her dying. Who rose from her and stood and made bitter accusations. 
So consult a notebook. The quality of light has changed in the room. Twilight now. Swift ebb of day. Turn on the desk lamp. Find an address and a phone number. Call it. Hello? Dr. Nolan? Lieutenant Clover, doctor, I want to come talk to you. About Janet? About my daughter's murder? Yes. I'll wait for you in my office. And go to the office of Dr. Nolan, which was diploma and license and scarred desk. And snapshots of daughter from childhood held in a silver frame hung on a wall to themselves. My daughter was always a beautiful young woman, Mr. Clover. Yes. But not so in death. Her beauty was spoiled. Dr. Nolan, uh... And her murderer hanged himself, I read. Remorse? Was that his emotion, Mr. Clover? Oh, I don't know. Is there such a thing for killers as remorse? I feel it. And I loved her and I never lifted a finger to her. And I have wept for her. And I feel it. Remorse. You think her killer, too, felt... Dr. Nolan. Yes? The report from our medical examiner says that the beating she got was not the cause of her death. No, it wasn't. Well, tell me about it. Weeks ago. Weeks ago. Dr. Nolan. She came to me. She said, Daddy, I haven't been feeling well. I enjoy something and suddenly I'm weak and drained, exhausted. Why, Daddy? Why, she said. Well, go on. I examined her. I found the cause. Heart condition? Yes. It was my diagnosis and... I advise no overexertion, no sudden, all the usual precautions. And she kissed my cheek and made me promise not to tell her husband, never to mention to her pitiful husband that she might die. You knew this and still you call him a murderer? Yes. Why? Because he was weak. Because he used everything my daughter had to give him. Her laughter, her gentleness, accepted it, smiled his thanks on her, used it. And there was little left for anyone else. For you? I hated him. Because he wasn't good enough for my daughter. Because he had beaten her and made her die. Simple as that, Mr. Clover. A murderer. Hmm. Or something else. Yes? Your daughter and her husband lived quite well. Their apartment, their clothes, the expensive things about them. So? I understand your son-in-law never held a job for long. I've already told you the kind of man my daughter married. Still, they lived well, expensively. Did you? Look around you, Mr. Clover. This office. Is it the place of a rich man? And my clothes, the clothes of a rich man? I had nothing to give my daughter except the love of lost years and of many heartbreaks. And of... I'm sorry her husband hanged himself. He cheated me. Did he? Or did you kill him? No. For that, too, I shall have remorse. Good night, Mr. Cooper. Good evening, Mr. Clover. Good evening, Mr. Folsom. Won't you gentlemen come in? Thanks. This is Detective Muggerman, Mr. Folsom. Hi, Mr. Detective Folsom. Muggerman. Hey, that's you up there in that painting. Real nice. Thank you. Dressed like that, like a... Spanish cavalier from the court of Philip. Yeah, I was just going to say. Real fancy. Thank you. Isn't that real nice, Danny? Yeah. I wish I could... Hey, Mr. Folsom... Yes. You've heard about Lou Bennett, haven't you? What about him? That he hanged himself. Where did this happen? At the Thomas... Three bag on 3rd Avenue. 
Will you gentlemen pardon me? What for? Thank you. You mind if I ask you what that bit was for, closing your eyes? Congratulating myself, sir. Once I predicted that Lou Bennett would come to a sudden end, I would call the way he died sudden, wouldn't you? Look, mister, when a man dies, no matter who it is, you don't figure out... I'm sorry. You paid for their wedding, didn't you, Mr. Fulton? Genesis and Lou's? Yes, yes, I told you that. Big wedding? Brilliant. Ever tell you about how my wife and I got married, Danny, on a lunch hour down at the city hall? And in those days, we only had a half hour for lunch. Then you had barely time for a snack. Is that what you're trying to tell us? From Phillips Court, huh? Exactly. What else did you do for those two, Mr. Folsom? How do you mean? Well, uh, Lou couldn't hold on to a job. Janice didn't work. Her father didn't make a whole lot of money. Yet Lou and Janice lived like... like... from Phillips Court. You know You know what I mean, Mr. Folsom. This is known as bandying, gentlemen. Now, what is it you have on your mind? I asked you a question, Mr. Folsom. Yes, you did. Then answer it. Very well. Beside being a lovely girl, Janice was... Persuasive? Persuasive. Thank you very much. So you supported them? You're plucking words from my mouth at a great rate, Mr. Clover. Let's just get with it, huh? Did you give him money or didn't you? Look, Mr. Fulton, there are very simple ways of finding that out. Cancel checks. From time to time, I gave Janice money. And she accepted it. Why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? Shut up. You loved her, Mr. Fulton. What right have you well, to ask? Sure he did. Why shouldn't I give her everything she wanted? See? Sure he did, Danny. Didn't you, Mr. Fulton? Loved her. Loved her. Well? Of course I did. Of course. Hey, you're doing that bit again, Mr. Fulton. What are you congratulating yourself for this time? Mr. Folsom? You want to know, don't you? Because you killed Lou Bennett. You want to know, don't you? Listen, Mr. Folsom, we know Bennett was the cause of his wife's death. He thought he'd murdered her. He ran away and hid. Then he did all the things a hysterical man does. He drank, he called everybody he knew. Police, his father-in-law. And you. And she married him. Which made them husband and wife, Mr. Folsom. Yes. He thought he'd murdered her, and he found out he didn't. A woman, a friend of his, Toby Douglas, came to him and told him his wife was a sick woman, that... His killing her was accidental. Top thing he could have been tried on would have been manslaughter. Probably just turned out to be an assault and battery rap. Why should he hang himself? He didn't have nerve enough to. Did you try to get him to hang himself when you came to that room where he was? He was drunk. He laughed at me. He said he didn't murder Janice. He murdered her as surely as... So you murdered him. He killed her, and the law wouldn't have punished him enough for it. So you did. Quite. It's a panic in neon, this Broadway, where pleasure is a packaged commodity, where bargain prices prevail for the half-hour smile, sometimes on installments. It's the place that dares you, and one way or another, it'll rock you to sleep. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. 
with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's transcribed story, Edgar Barrier was heard as Emery Folsom and Herb Butterfield as John Nolan. Featured in the cast were Shep Mankin, High Everback, and Kathy Lewis. Bill Anders speaking. broadcast concludes this present series of Broadway's My Beat. At this time, Larry Thor, Charles Calvert, and Jack Crucian, our stars, Morton Fine and David Friedkin, our writers, Elliot Lewis, our producer-director, Alexander Courage, our musical director, and the staff of the program, thank all of you for your kind attention. We hope to rejoin you soon. Next week at this time, 21st Precinct. America listens most to the CBS Radio Network. <laughs>